When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, in the old days, we used to meet in a studio and actually. Yeah, we used to go to we used to make people come to Burbank and talk to us, but now they don't have to. That's right. Oh, actually, I I like coming to Burbank. Oh, I'm well, I'm starting we'll to, to have you back when we're actually talking and seeing each other. Yes, person. I, I like it. There's um, there's some of my favorite eating places there. Oh yeah. Actually, so yeah, I always look for an excuse to find good food places right near places that I have to go to. So I hear we have a friend in common. Who you or me? We Joe? all do. We do. Uh, Scott Alexander. Oh, that rat bastard! <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say friend. How do you know Scott? Scott knows everyone. Friends, and I was actually surprised because he normally, you know, he normally uh, does not say that that easily. Did Did you Did you see him on our show? Um, I actually didn't, um, but I saw him on the list because I know his list. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. But he, the thing that amazed me. But he doesn't do this in general. Yeah. He's, Larry's, he's, pretty, he's pretty close to the vest. I'm shocked. Larry's the talky guy. Scott talks so much we had to break it up into two episodes. I was, uh, <laughs> I've, I've known him for 20 years. I don't think I've ever had that much conversation with him. It was amazing. And we've never run into each other, have we? Like. I don't know. I would actually, I would remember. I would certainly remember because as, as we might as well get this part out of the way, aside from just uh, admiring your work and everything, I'm, 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 I'm a Star Trek fan. Oh, you are. Okay. So you're smart. <laughs> I always, I always feel sure. like the people who are Trek fans are pretty bright. I like to think so. I, but that's not, that's not why we're having you on. We're having you on because you're, we're a Disney tour guide. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> Oh wow! We always try to get them in. That was, really? Yeah. Yeah. How, how was when? When was that? It was a long time ago, but it was long enough ago. I wonder if their skirts are still really short. But I do remember that. Um, what I couldn't stand about it is that every time we got out of um, the "It's a Small World" ride, I would see, um, you know, the the tourist businessmen looking at my um <laughs> I got out of the boat so um yeah it was a dream come true to be a tour guide but at the same time I I saw that you know there were downsides to it. yeah yes 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 I've, I've not been since um God, I, told you, I went to the uh, uh during the LA riots I had a friend coming to visit me from Chicago and his, it was the first vacation he'd taken in like 10 years. He worked at the uh, Chicago airport. And I think his was the last airplane allowed into LA. It was like 10 o'clock at night. So he comes flying in. Remember, this is before you had internet on the plane. So he has no idea what's going on. And he looks down and Los Angeles is on fire. And we got up the next day and everybody was losing their minds. And we had plans to go to Disneyland. And we thought, what else are we going to do? So we went to Disneyland during the LA ride. And was that, that was the first time you had gone? It was the first time. It was the last time, too, because it will never, there were 10 people there. 
So we Wait, would just get on you, a ride. You and didn't they would grow let up it. out here. No, no, no. No. Oh, where'd you grow up? Philadelphia. You didn't grow up. That's oh, right. Really? Still waiting. Um, <laughs> you otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this for a living. Exactly. That's right. That's right. His dad just uh, moved, just left Philly. He loved it. He it's a great town. A few years. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a great town. Joe, Joe has spent much time there as well. I did. I spent many years there. And where did who are you from, Joe? Are you from I'm from New Jersey, but I went to school at the Philadelphia College of Art. So I uh, was oh. there for the a, a good a good chunk of the 60s yeah it really is a, he he really is having a hard time you know disconnecting from it his um old roommate was there all his friends are there and now he's in new york and i can tell he really misses it. Uh, yeah it's a great town um uh trying to get back every year at least but uh, maybe not this year but um yeah. why don't we where where shall i shall i do i'm gonna do a we are, we are we are here this week with the great, the legendary, the wonderful Rosalind Chow, who's um, currently uh, in Mulan, which is I don't even know. Is are we measuring this stuff anymore? Is it like it feels like it ought to be the blockbuster hit of the season? Um, <laughs> do we have any receipts on this? Do we know? I don't know anymore. I don't know how they I don't know how they compute how many how people do they measure? download stuff. <laughs> yes, I trust I'm, whatever they tell us. I'm sure a few people. Are watching Mulan. <laughs> I'm sure it's doing okay. I am not too concerned. But man, you've been in so much great stuff. Joyla Club. Uh, I was just saying earlier. I I, I, I was a big. Um, I, I'm sorry. No, no aspersion on Next Generation. Next Generation was great, but Deep Space Nine. No. No. What? You like Deep Space Nine more than the Next Generation? I do. I do. I'm one of those. You're dark, man. You are dark. I love that show. I love that show so much. But Next um, Generation was Next Generation so... is great. It's non. It's it, it's wonderful. But but, yeah. but not as wonderful. But if you put a gun to my head, I got to go DS Nine. Yeah, yeah. too many. Sure. By the way, and it's it's, it's the opposite. It's it's your. I mean, not and not to take away from the cast of. Uh, by the way, I worked with Jonathan Frakes a few years ago. He directed oh. uh, a thing I wrote with Harlan Ellison, which was great fun. He was lovely. What a lovely, lovely um, person. I'm but, crazy about him. But the cast of Deep Space Nine was so, not to take away from Next Generation, but you guys were just such a great hodgepodge of just great characters, you know? I'm, I'm getting in trouble here. I'm probably going to. So interesting. <laughs> alienated half the audience. Yeah, we're never, we're never getting Patrick Stewart now. <laughs> yeah, because the Next Generation, the, the cast was... I, I've never laughed so hard as on that set. I, they they were able to, well, maybe it showed, but they were able to, you know, get into character with the, you know, when the spaceship would shake or whatever, and then in the next minute, you know, start sending themselves up. And we'd be shooting till all hours of the night. And just trust me, it was quite the festive um Fantastic! I love that. Yeah, no, it, it came through too. Um, but but we are really thrilled it's to have you. Was dark though. That yeah. was very dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were no, there was no light on the set. I mean, I can remember driving home, but that's why I didn't do that many. If you really want to know the truth. Oh, really? Yeah, it was too dark for me. It felt every time I left the set, I would just cry for no reason. I couldn't figure out what oh, was no. with me. Yeah, it was just, there's no light on the set. There's, you know, um, 
the subject matter was always a little bit darker. And maybe I was hormonal. I had just had a baby. But on top of that, the lack of light and yeah, I the subject matter just seemed a little darker. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely got darker, too. It must be why he likes it. That tells me a lot about you, Josh. Uh, <laughs> Plus, um, you've been friends with Scott. That tells me even more. <laughs> there you go. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Uh, but but thank you so much uh, for coming on. We're we're thrilled to have you. And um, I'm going to let I never tell Joe what we're talking about until we're here. And um, that's how he keeps me coming yeah, back. Too, because I, I think when I gave you the list, I was like, well, let's keep it loose because there's so many films I like. I, I don't even know where to start. But no, you it's very hard. It's very hard to make a list and to, is, to, yes. to take all the all the ephemera that you really love and you know, whittle it down to just a couple and then you go, but well, yeah, but then this leads to that and this one leads me to this and, and exactly. it's just impossible. Exactly. Um, but is there, there's sort of a unifying theme behind yours, would you say? Or Is there, um, I, I, I think as I was thinking about it yesterday, I was thinking that it's almost like it's broken up into sections as to where I was in my life. Hmm. So the early part of my list is very much about um escapism and pretty much what was showing on channel 11 if you grew up out mm-hmm. here, that's all the, the rerun movie things and then they would show it i think it was every saturday and sunday they would show the same movie over and over so there are some that are more imprinted than others um well let's, then, why don't we if they're, if they're chronological why don't we start at the beginning how about that okay so it's like what's what's your first right so the first movie I really, well, the very first is, isn't on this list. Um, and I'll just touch on that briefly. Sure. Is I remember seeing Seven Year Itch. Careful, I had my appendix out last year. <laughs> it's the funniest comedy since laughter began. Of a wife who spent the summer away. And a husband who stayed home to play and play and play. Because now I'm going to take you in my arms and kiss you very quickly and very hard. Hey, wait a minute! With Marilyn Monroe soaring to new heights as the screen's most lovable laugh getter. Everything's fine. A married man, air conditioning, champagne and potato chips. It's just a wonderful party. And that showed nonstop on Channel 9. I still remember, <laughs> I still remember the piano scene where she's, um, Marilyn Monroe is, um, she's kind of, she's, can we say this? She's a prick tease. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I remember it really, for some reason, it really imprinted, which I don't know what that says about me, but, um, and then after that, it was really um, Mary Poppins. Come on with me. It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Super califragilistic, expialidocious. 
I remember feeling sad when it was over and wanting to be in that family. So it was all about wanting to be a part of right. family unit. Was that on TV or in a movie? That was on TV as well, mm -hmm. as was Sound of Music. I sound your signals, you will step forward and give your names. You, Fraulein, will listen carefully, learn their signals so you can call them when you want them. The celebrated play that delighted the world. On oh, a Julie Andrews kick. Right, yeah, I guess it was. It really was. I, she, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, the Sound of Music, you know, they were a big family, and I think I always wanted that kind of ruckus environment instead of sitting in a restaurant you know, coloring with my brother, that was not fun. Um, Is there just the two of you? Yeah, there's oh. just... Her parents um, owned a restaurant across from Disneyland. Oh. But first they owned a restaurant in the little mini mall. So I would wander the mini mall by myself while they were working all day. And that's where I discovered Barbara Streisand. Well, I want to go back to Mary Poppins first. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, is, that, is that, you saw it a lot, I'm guessing. I did see it a lot. Uh, the movies that I saw repeatedly were probably Mary Poppins and My Fair Lady. Um, and both, you know, just took me someplace far away. And, and is there, I, I'm always, I always, I have this, this, um, I don't know, I feel like all these movies sort of filled our heads with all these kind of ideas that, that uh, I, I battle with daily. Like, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know, the whole, the whole notion that, um, you know, as a kid, it's really compelling. The idea that the guy who works in a bank really just needs to run out and play with a kite if he's going to be happy in this life. And, you know. Exactly. And, and my parents were workaholics. Um, mm -hmm. I always used to say that, you know, my dad was an engineer and my mom had a small, you know, started this small restaurant. And I used to say, you know, I, I barely saw her except for running in and out. And she smelt of garlic to me because she was always, you know, in the kitchen right. cooking. So, um, yeah, that, that, you know, that's a really good point. That really spoke to me that, you know, they didn't have time to play. They just yeah. worked, worked. And, and do you I, think, do you think stuff like that played a part in your decision to, you know, I mean, basically all of us ran off and joined the circus, right? I mean, oh, that, <laughs> this is like a therapy, you know, I Sorry, never, I don't know. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, Josh. But really? Yes. No. I in in my shallow existence, it never that never entered my mind that that was um, why I decided to become an actor. No, I I feel like acting found me. Uh, so in a way, I don't know that it was a decision, but I do know that after having kids, I had I made a conscious choice, and maybe that was based on. Maybe that was Mary Poppins based because um, I never, that's why I wasn't on Deep Space Nine constantly is um, that I wasn't a regular. I still remember Rick Berman calling me up and saying, are you sure? And the big reason why is I saw one of the cast members had a stroller outside 
her um, her trailer, and I said, um, "Oh, your your son's visiting today," and she said, "Yeah, it's his birthday." And I remember thinking, "Oh, <laughs> my birthday is not going to be on a set." So as a result, I didn't want to be a regular on right. anything. Um, right, it's interesting. Yeah, because I think all that stuff, and I, I always wonder which came first. You know, the desire to to sort of do something that's completely childlike and inane and idiotic. And I say that with love as I'm a writer, you know, it's real. Or or did these things put those terrible desires in our head? What did your parents do? Um, uh, my father's a real estate uh, developer. My, my mother is an English teacher. Oh, but so that's actually that they were very much, your mother was very much about giving back. I'm wondering oh, yeah. if. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, they're, they're, those seeds were already there, but it was yeah. just, you know, you'd see stuff like Mary Poppins and, you know, it just paints such a terrible portrait of life as a banker and such a great portrait of life as an idiot who runs around and flies kites and exactly. acts like a... Exactly. <laughs> so, in other people's clothes and plays yeah. make-believe. I mean... Exactly. Exactly. We're very lucky. Except writing's a little lonely. All my really good friends are writers. Actually, all my friends are writers when I really think about it. Oh, God, I feel for And you. it's a lonely existence. <laughs> it's a little lonely. It, it, uh, it certainly can be. Um, I'd argue that right now that we, are, we are among the... Uh, I, I, for the last eight or nine months, I've just felt like, wow, did I make the right life choices for 2020? <laughs> <laughs> you two don't write together. No, no, no. Joe, Joe's Joe's the great director. No, I direct. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't write. But he doesn't um, sully himself. Josh, does, Josh doesn't need uh, you know any help in his writing. He can hold the pencil. <laughs> no, I have to tell you, I saw History of Violence, and I remember I almost put that on my list, and then I realized, oh, you wrote that, so I can't. You look like such a suck up. Good lord. Good I lord. Exactly. Good idea. Every week, it's gremlins this and explorers that. It's well, Gremlins, I remember, because it had an Asian kid in it, mm. an Asian little boy. And an I Asian little boy who is now so old that he's probably got grandchildren. Well, I remember thinking, why wasn't that a girl? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have to talk to yeah. Chris Columbus about that. Like that? <laughs> and the writer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Directors just do what they're told. They have no Just say action and cut. That's it. It's true, though, isn't it, that writers in movies don't, you're like, don't you just feel like kind of extraneous after the, you've turned your script in, or do you still get consulted? Well, that's, 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 that was true on features more than it was on television. Where te yeah. Television is now a writer's medium. I mean, the writers, yeah. they run the show. Um, yeah. But for movies, yeah. I mean, the script comes in, and, and you know, back in the old studio days, uh, they, when they referred to writers as schmucks with underwoods uh they basically uh, just got the script and if they didn't like it they'd give it to 12 more writers yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, the writers would never see the movie until they went to the theater they could, probably wouldn't get invited to the premiere yeah. yeah no it's a oh god yeah i mean we could we could we could do it i i i've toyed with the idea of having an episode where you just have a bunch of screenwriters and we just you know this bitch bitch and moan about uh, <laughs> actually that would be fascinating i think it's a great idea It'd be kind of fun. I gotta say, and I'm sure he was playing me. I I met Clint Eastwood once at a at a party, and um, he seemed vaguely aware of who I was. So that would be how. He, and the entire ten minute conversation was the importance of screenwriters 
and screenplays and how everybody else is extraneous to the process. And I'm just standing there. There's Clint Eastwood telling me I'm the most important person in the world. So of I course I will that. now, I forgive him anything. I will kill for him. <laughs> like I'll even, I've, I've spent three hours coming to an explanation of why him talking to the chair was actually a good thing. Oh my <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Luckily, a lot of people have forgotten about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yes, they, I'm interested that you have writer friends, though. That's, um... Yeah, almost all. I mean, so much so that I don't, should I say this? But, you can say whatever um, you want. Well, one of my friends that's running for an office um, asked me to send out an email to all my friends because I had, I, I do have a lot, right. a lot of writer friends. I don't know why that is. I don't, I don't have that many actors. I, I like to think we're the most interesting people. You are, and, and, and you have the best dress sense. Uh, oh as you, as you can see, if you want, if, 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 the, if the listeners could see what Josh is wearing. You do not want me to stand up. I that. promise you, you don't want me to stand up. <laughs> their, their outfits are always pandemic chic, right? Yes, yes. Um, all I will say is that today my... But that was true before the pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We have been preparing for this for forever. But um, uh, this is nuts. You're an actress. You're not supposed to be turning the conversation towards us. You're supposed to be dragging it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I well, you know what? what kind of actress are you? Here's the thing. Honestly, I mean, you guys didn't, the kind of movies that I wanted to see myself in, you know? Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and so, and that, is why my list is comprised of a lot of films that, and it makes me sound so egotistic or narcissistic or I, I don't know, but the fact that a lot of my choices afterwards, I looked at it and I realized a lot of times I would be drawn to movies where I could see how I wanted to play that part. And that could have been me or someone who looked like me. So that was a big part of my list. Well, narcissism is all Quran now, so I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I run for president. So, um, like My Fair Lady, for instance. Well, My Fair Lady, and it's interesting. I wonder why this is. A lot of, um, this is a big generalization, but I, I remember my parents were a little fixated on Audrey Hepburn, mm -hmm. as were a lot of Asian Americans. And I'm not quite sure why. I knew a lot of, um, Asian American girls named Audrey. Oh, really? Audrey and Grace. You know, for some reason, I think they they um, they reflected that sort of uh, Western beauty ideal. And Audrey Hepburn, maybe she looked just slightly exotic, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. But for me, the draw was that she was this, you know, gutter snipe, and then was transformed into an acceptable member of society. And I think in my mind as a small child, I was, you know, basically, you know, I, I grew up in Orange County before there were that many Asians. I was an outsider. So the fact that you could be converted to an insider and be accepted by society to me was huge. You right. know, I, that fantasy was a big deal um and then now that you said i wonder if that's why i married an englishman <laughs> now that uh, i think of it uh, 
nobody yeah. treats you better than Rex Harrison treated women. Oh, <laughs> and that's the other thing. The movie's so sexist. And so when I think back on it, it's very, it's kind of weird that that's the movie that I watched over and over again. But um, it's, it's I yeah, to... I, I don't know why. This is a terrible thing to say, but I, I, as I get older, somehow I find myself sort of nodding along with Henry Higgins more and then. <laughs> Like, going, am I a terrible person or is just this you wait, Henry Higgins? I, I know, and you know, I actually saw the play uh, that they did at Lincoln Center, and when they don't end it with her, him putting his feet up and saying, "Fetch me my slippers," and uh -huh. down, it didn't work for me. Oh, really? Embarrassed <laughs> to say that I, they're going to take away my my card. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> I, I'm, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but yeah. I, so you yeah. prefer that ending to the, well, what's the, God, it's been so long. What's the, um, I think we even talked about the show, the the ending in the. Well, the version. big manion. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's, well, it's. Um, he's oh, unregenerate. <laughs> he's unregenerate in all the, yeah. you, can, you can blame that on, uh, you know, on the author. There is something weird about the fact that as awful as, with all that goes on, you are still at the end of that film kind of pulling for them to get together yeah you absolutely not kind yeah. of, absolutely and and freddie who adores her and waits outside her house for her forever what a weenie you're saying yeah what a dweeb <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that is um that's worrisome isn't it i don't know i, I kind of enjoy that about about any any art form that, that it can take you into these situations and make you feel things that you wouldn't or even shouldn't. It's okay. We'll just put a disclaimer on it. It'll be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not quite the same thing, but I also talk about how, like, you know, I watch um, Downton Abbey or uh, uh, The Crown, and one minute before each show starts, I'm like, there needs to be a revolution. These people need to be killed. And for an hour, I'm completely invested in their trials and tribulations, and I'm rooting for them. And then it's over. I'm like, there needs to be a revolution. They need to be killed. I <laughs> like, know. Same. While I'm in it. <laughs> and I was besotted with um, uh, Downton Abbey. Yeah. And and, and Mary, um, who's the real fancy pants. Yeah. You know, I I I used to. It's so funny. I didn't really. Um, I put this. I mean, I I loved her. I loved all the. I I loved the snobbiest ones with the ones I loved. Which what does that say about me? But I ended up um working at a theater in in London. I I worked at uh, the National Theater, and they have a um a circular um, patio in between the dressing rooms. And so she was doing a play at the theater next door, and my dressing room looked right into her dressing room so as a downton abbey fan i have to say i would just like i would come into the dressing room open my blinds and like you know just peek over and see what's <laughs> Mary doing now you know did you did you introduce yourself um well we actually are um curtain times were always at exactly the same time at seven o'clock so we would both race to the uh. bathroom at the same time <laughs> is um in our race to the bathroom pre-curtain so you have no yes. way of knowing she could have been doing the exact same thing because she's this insane star trek fan no i don't think so <laughs> you never know you never know 
So what's but your next movie? Monster. Yes, what is <laughs> uh, the next movie? Um, wait, what was that? I thought I had it memorized. Oh, Funny Girl. Hello, gorgeous. Columbia Pictures is proud to present Barbara Streisand. Yeah? You're going to be a big star someday, Miss... Uh... Uh, Bryce, Fanny Bryce. I'd rather be blue. In her Academy Award-winning film debut. The whole world will look at me and be stunned. Even Jake the Plumber here. Fully restored to its original roadshow presentation. You mean I'm hired? I'm a Ziegfeld girl. That's exactly what you are. I'm a Ziegfeld girl. You planning to make advances? Because Barbara Streisand, um, we had a little, uh, um, you know, mini mall that I wandered around. I remember going to the record shop and I must have been really little because I remember looking up through the um, records and I saw a photo of Barbara Streisand on the back of one of her albums. And she was, you know, a dorky little girl. It was a picture of her as a little girl. And I was a dorky little girl. I mean, I had like, you know, these big orthopedic shoes and just, it was all bad. It was all not good. And so I felt enamored with her. And then when I saw her in Funny Girl, you know, that spoke to me, sang to me. Um, and I, I did love most everything, although I did go to see, um, what's a movie that Scott likes? What's up, Doc? Doc. Yeah, with him yes. at, um, and he loves that movie. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Do yeah. you? Yeah. I, yeah. I I didn't get it. Is that terrible? Oh, cut her mic! I'm cutting her mic, Joe. I, 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 <laughs> I pretended he was laughing so hard and just enjoying himself so much. We saw it at the Arrow. That I don't even know if I go. I mean, you know, I was like, yeah, it was funny, but I it was of another era. So maybe I didn't. Well, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no. Oh, but you had not seen it as. Yeah, you saw it later. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I saw it maybe um, it was before the pandemic, um, maybe about a year ago. I yeah, I mean, I'm talking. You know, I saw I saw it when I was ten. You know, <laughs> so right. So it becomes part of your. I wonder if you'd still love it. Um, I don't know, you know, I showed it to my wife who had never seen it a couple years ago and she died laughing. So I, I think, I think this is just, yeah, you're just going to have to live with this. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know I did feel like something was wrong with me afterwards because the whole audience was yucking it up and, and, um, yeah, but yeah. sometimes things don't connect and, you know, it's not, it's not you, it's not, it's not the thing. It's just, you know, you're, you're not on the wavelength. I know. It's terrible. If I may quote a great man, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Don't get me started. I can feel my blood pressure. Uh. <laughs> okay, and then after that, um, I think, uh, well, remind me to go back to what's funny for someone isn't for anyone else. But um, after that, Heartbreak Kid. Neil Simon wrote it. Elaine May directed it. The Heartbreak Kid. It's just plain old-fashioned corny lingo, sir. Uh, I have fallen head over heels with your Kelly here. Uh, it just, you know, it didn't take me long to make up my mind. One good look did it, actually. I said, you're lying in my spot. Oh, you are this terrific girl! You are this terrific girl! <laughs> now, there is a slight complication. Um, I happen to be a newlywed. 
I love the movie Heartbreak Kid and um, the original. Yeah, I have right. the updated version. But um, Jeannie, I, I never wanted to play the Sybil Shepherd type character, nor would I have. But the Jeannie Berlin character, that's the kind of character I love playing. I love being like messy. And you know, so that was my dream. Is that terrible? That was my dream role. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's fun. I like that. What does that say about me? But, uh, you know, I actually got to meet Jeannie Berlin and I was gobstruck. I mean, I could barely talk. A friend of mine asked me to help her. She was casting a little small movie that she wanted to do or play. I can't remember, but um, and I got to see her working with actors and she's quite brilliant. I mean, she's, she's really, isn't she great in that movie? She's oh, really oh she, everybody's really good in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Charles Grodin. I, I love him so much. I, I read his book. Did you read his mm -hmm. book? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think about him every time I make a deal, uh, a work deal, because. I used to see Charles Grodin when he was really young, when I went to summer camp in Woodstock, New York in 1961, and he was a member of the Woodstock Playhouse. And they would do things like Death of a Salesman, and they would do, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. And he, and, and he was, he, and they would always have the same actors and they would all play different parts. And he impressed me. I mean, he impressed me enough that later when I started to see him on other things, I went, that's the guy I saw in real life. And it was, it was, um, I followed his career. That good, even as a young. Oh, he was terrific. He was the guy you looked at on the stage, you know. Wow. And you know, the, the graduate story, right? That, yeah. I mean. Oh, what, that he was originally? Over $500, he said no. Wait, sorry, I don't know the story. Tell the story. Oh, well, he was the first choice. Okay. And he was negotiating. And I can't remember, it was, it's for some reason, the number 583 or something, and he wanted to bump it up um, a bit, and they walked away. Mm. And, he, and do you know, I, I, never, I never make a deal for a job without thinking of Charles Grodin. <laughs> that, that's so funny. I mean, I... <laughs> Huh. I mean, I'm trying to imagine because he's he's almost too perfect for that part. I know. He would have been good. And I think he was actually younger than Hoffman at the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and Midnight Run, he was great in that. Yeah. That's yeah. And he was great as Rosemary's baby's doctor, who, who you think is just such a nice guy. And then, saw, but <laughs> you believe I've never seen Rosemary's baby, but everybody. Oh, oh you've got to see it. It's terrific. Really? It's, okay. it's one of the few movies that's actually perfect. It, it's, it's, oh, really? It's pretty, yes. pretty darn good. Um, and I love him for a slightly left field one, um, uh, The Lonely Guy. I, do, I didn't see that. Which is a fantastic, underrated Steve Martin comedy. I think it's based on a Bruce J. Friedman book. And it's, um, uh, yeah, Charles Grodin is the guy who sort of initiates Steve Martin into the world of the uh, newly single lonely guy and world. And it's just absolutely hilarious. Well, that and might be a good choice to see. It's a great sad sack. It's a very funny movie. It's a very funny movie. Um, but uh, cool. Well, what, uh, what's, what's next? Okay. Um, and then, oh, when we were talking about, let me, let me just see. We were talking about, um, you know, I was going to kind of wing it, but when we were talking about um, 
uh, films that where the humor doesn't translate. Yeah. I love Waiting for Guffman and all of um, his movies. The city council of Blaine gave me the responsibility of putting together a show to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Blaine. I took the whole history of the town and I squeezed it like a piece of fresh bread. I think the uh, one really important thing that I learned in working with Corky is that I do indeed have talent. My booby made a kishka, she made it big and fat. My Zeta took one look at it and said, I can't eat that. I have found here in Blaine a gold mine of talent. You know, I, I, that sense of humor yeah. really tickles my funny bone. And um, I've shown it to quite a few friends and they, they don't. just doesn't get, they don't, it, it doesn't really? work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you like it? Do you? I like it. I, I think I, I think that that genre and it is a, it's a, it is a genre unique to itself. Uh, is um, some people have a have a hard time with it because it doesn't because it's not structured. It's not. It's too much like watching real people act. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, the yeah, one I've always that. you know I get to like best in show and, and well, you which can't I go wrong with best in show because it's got animals. Well, yeah, but the thing with Best in Show that I, I've seen it a couple times now, and every time I go, this is hilarious. These are the, the funniest human beings ever, but you can't help but feel like an actual straight documentary about that world would be just as funny, if not funnier. <laughs> you know? Yeah, know. Actually, Waiting for Guffman, um, there is a reality show on the Disney Channel, Disney Plus. When I signed up for Hamilton, I ended up finding it. What's it called? Um, Encore. You don't get Disney Plus for free. Well, well, now I do. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> but this is why. I know that was my first question. I'm the child of immigrants. <laughs> Wait, do I get Disney Plus free? So of course I canceled, and then had them. You know, I will always be that person. <laughs> all right, let me move on. <laughs> Give me Disney um, Plus. I know. Um, that's all I care about. That's the only reason I act. It's for the freebies. Yeah, well, the freebies are fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, and it's ironic because the people who really don't need it are the ones who get the freebies. Which always. Always. Yeah. How about those yeah. goodie bags they give away at the Oscars with, you know, yeah, yeah, millions of dollars worth of stuff that these people don't need? Yes. <laughs> By the way, shout out to, to, to beautiful actress I once got to flirt with for five minutes, uh, Lauren Bacall. We recently were watching The Sopranos again. I completely forgotten she did the episode where she plays herself and they mug her for her swag bag. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I'm it's so talking. good. She's so good. <laughs> good stuff. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. But, um, uh, but Guffman, talking. yes. Sorry? No, oh, Guffman. Yeah. Oh, waiting for Guffman and... I, I showed it to um, a friend of ours who was visiting from England, and I wasn't sure if it was the Englishness or what. He did mm. not laugh once. Really? So I'm not sure if the, the subject matter, the regional theater thing is only is peculiar to um, America or what, but I just think about it makes me laugh. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, uh, what else? I thought I had it all. Um, wait, you wanted how many have I given you so far? 
no. one punch. Give us just some keep more. going. <laughs> um, we'll just pull the plug when we find out. And so then, as I got older, you know, I mean, I wanted to see myself whenever I saw a movie, and it's so so boring for you guys to hear this, but it really was about you know seeing films that I could relate to and and seeing good acting because you know I was studying. Um, acting at a place um, called the Loft Studio. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, there was an acting teacher named Peggy Fury. And um, basically everybody who was anybody was in that class at that time. And um, I think I'm the only person who isn't like a big box office star from that class. And I remember at that time, everybody was in, um, they were all in Fast Times at Ridgemont High together. Mm, yeah sure, yeah and so you know there were those films that everybody was in but of course there were no asians in those movies and i'm starting to get you know a little i feel a little like oh my god this is hopeless and i remember um peggy saying you know after she had us do a scene from Chekhov, i remember her saying you know you you may not get those i said something about how well yeah it would be nice if i got these roles then and she said, you may not get those roles, but you'll do those roles better. And I remember thinking, I, I want roles like that. So yeah. then that was around the time I saw the movie um, Misery. You almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. Meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me. Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. And, um, I... I, I had seen um, Kathy Bates in uh, Night Mother. She, she performed that in a play that um, I think she was um, in the dressing rooms rehearsing. When the, the Vonnegut? In theater. Sorry? The Vonnegut? Night Mother? Night Mother was at the tape. Oh, she, she brought it out to the taper. Or the, oh, no, I'm thinking of, um, never mind. Never mind. Night Mother with Annie Petoniak. Yep. It was just a two-person play, and she was wonderful and then when i saw her in the film misery and then she won an oscar for it she was just so wonderful in it that i remember thinking oh so you don't have to be blonde hair and blue eyes to be in movies there are people who think you know outside the box mm -hmm. you know so that was a very hopeful thing um uh but prior to that um i was really into indie movies that was my dream. And it's still, I'd say it's still my favorite type of movie to work on. There's something about getting dressed in the back of a wardrobe truck. And <laughs> I really, I, I love that, 
guerrilla filmmaking, you know, vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's very, um, when you actually know everyone on the crew. Yeah, right? And yeah, yeah um, you're all staying at this, yeah, the same, you know. Um, Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. But, um, yeah, so uh, um, Paris, Texas. When I first saw you this time at Waltz, Hi. I was hoping to show you that I was your father. You showed me I was. Ha ha ha, they have two fathers. Just lucky, I guess. I can never heal up what happened. I can't even hardly remember what happened. It's like a gap. Uh, have you seen Jane or talked to her? <laughs> we thought you were dead, boy. I still, if I hear the soundtrack, it still can just bring tears to my eyes. And the opening scene of that with the music, it's it's the only movie I can think of where the music is as big of I almost remember the music even more than I do the performances or the writing or the direction or anything else. Right. Um, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? The yeah. opening scene. And I still remember the last scene where uh Natasha Kinsky. Nastasha. Nastasha Kinsky. Nastasha Kinsky. Yeah. She she sees her son and she's touching his hair and then it's just a long shot of them looking at each other and there's so much and just them her touching his hair it was just it's beautiful yeah it's an amazing i uh i hadn't seen it in a long time and we recently watched it i don't know i guess it came out of criterion about a year ago and um i mean i had remembered thinking it was one of the best movies i'd ever seen but holy cow it somehow got better in the ensuing really? years I'll have oh, to watch it again. so beautiful so beautiful no uh, and i've I worked did. with vim vendors and oh, I, have you? I am crazy about him he's this um i've never had a director do this where i had this one scene that was the main reason i wanted i mean of course i want to do it to work with him but this beautiful scene that at the last minute the um, location got pulled and rather than just say okay we're moving on you know like some people do they don't even think of the actors he pulled me aside it was like a big deal i thought oh, am i getting fired what's going on and he said you know i have to tell you this scene 
blah, blah, blah. You know, he explained everything to me. He was just so lovely from beginning to end. Um, yeah, I, I really. Did you go ahead and do the scene then? Or did you no, save it? I never got to do it. Because you, it's not, you never did it. No, we, it never, we never got to shoot it. I think no. it was supposed to be, um, who was it? It was at like one of those um, uh, small theater. And I remember I'm supposed to be smoking. And I had even practiced smoking for it, for God's sake. <laughs> and I was supposed to be smoking a cigarette. And this, it was just beautifully written as well. He's, but he was a lovely man, lovely, lovely man. I almost worked for him a second time. but. Um, I got pregnant, so. Damn. Yeah, our, our, our friend who's been on the show, Alison Anders, was, uh, I think, was she a PA on Paris, Texas, I think? Oh. Um, it was one of her early jobs, uh, working with him. Yeah, and I know she's just adores him. Um, oh, and you want to hear something else? Yes. During, um, uh, when I was doing, working on the Vim Vendors movie, um, uh, so Ry Cooter, after I, was obsessed with Paris, Texas and could never get in my car without listening to the soundtrack. Um, small world, Ry Cooter's um, uh, mother-in-law ended up living in my apartment building. And so anyway, we got to know each other through a series of happenings and um, mishaps. And um, before I went to work on this movie, uh, Rye dropped off a bag of cassette tapes and said, can you get this to Vim? And so I did. And that turned into the Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Did you make copies of all the tapes quickly before you were? <laughs> no, it was sealed. It was sealed. <laughs> wow. I went to and I said, you know, Rye lives down the hill from me and um, wanted me to give you this. I said, Ooh. That's awesome. I know, isn't that weird? Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, okay, so what's next? Uh, um, oh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. It's the most provocative film of the year. Vincent Canby in the New York Times calls it one of the best of 89, exceptionally accomplished and witty. Being happy isn't all that great. I mean, the last time I was really happy, I got so fat. The Los Angeles Times calls it brilliant, a delicate and sexually charged film. Look, we're gonna do it. Rolling Stone says it's dazzling, fun, and scorchingly erotic. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you let me tape you? Doing what? John and Anne don't have sex anymore. And Time Magazine calls it terrific. The season's smartest and funniest film. It's for me. Yeah, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I guess I just love films where, you know, it's all about the acting for Yeah. And um, the, thing that, uh, the thing that I discovered, you know, you probably know this better than I do, Joe, but don't you feel like, you get the best performances when you're just you're like a fly on the wall. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. A, I don't like to over rehearse. You know, uh, and sometimes there are some directors. I'm not one of them, but some sometimes they like to make believe that it's a rehearsal, but then they actually shoot. 
and so that people don't know that they're and 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 sometimes you know what's being rehearsed turns out to be gold you know I like that um but there there are a lot of a lot of reasons why that's not a good idea sometimes but um I think well because people get that sometimes people get angry if they find out that you photographed them when they didn't get photographed David run into that problem a couple of times um but I, I, I just think that, uh, particularly when you're working with kids, uh, it just seems like the more spontaneous it can be, the better. And, and if you, uh, and uh, I'm, you know, I guess it's okay if Jack Nicholson has to brush his teeth 50 times in, in The Shining, but then when, you, when he ends up using take two, uh, you just wonder how much enamel did he actually lose <laughs> for this scene. No, you're too nice to be a director. Pauline Kale told me that. You know what? The best ones are like you. I honestly, because I, I I worked with Steven Soderbergh on um, in November last November, and he is like he's like you. He's yeah. very um, very low key. He's behind the camera, so you almost feel like he's acting with you. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's, well, support is. I mean, the actors are. That's what you got. You know. I mean, everything else you want to have nice lighting and you want to have good locations and all that stuff but the people the actors are the the way that the audience finds themselves in the movie and yeah. and so that's what you're that's what you're selling here you're selling your actors and if they're not comfortable and if they're if they're confused if they're if they got questions if they want to change something i think it's uh, it's major uh, it's a it's a major part of filmmaking well it is about trust because yeah. i always feel like i can feel if a director doesn't you can feel if the director doesn't trust mm -hmm. you, and it definitely. Um, it, well, if you cast a movie correctly, you don't have to worry about that. You know? Right. It's only when you've discovered when you've made a mistake in casting, which happens, and then you go, "Hmm, uh, now I have to turn this person into the idea of what I thought they were going to give me, but now they're obviously they can't or won't or." Are, okay, so what caused that? Can I ask you? You what never know. I mean, it's I. I haven't had this problem because I. I I've. I've usually had a really good personal relationship with any actors that I've worked with, and I've tended to steer away from actors that I've heard have been have been difficult. Although on occasion, you want to use an actor that's just a, a terrific actor, and you want to be able to put up with whatever they have and try to make them better. Um, but I, 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 it's hard enough to make movies without everybody being tense and irritable. Uh, it, it's it, the 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 fun you said you were having on on the set of uh, the, the Star Trek show is that's that's an ideal I think you know I mean there's a bromide that if people if you have a good time making the movie it's not going to be a good movie and if the worst time you have making the movie that means the movie's going to turn out to be better uh, and I'm sure in many cases that's happened but that I don't find that to be true with me yeah I know there are times where like I said, that that last movie when I remember, like when my day was done, I was sad. I didn't, you know. I remember one day I finished at one o'clock, and I was like, "Do you want me to stay around?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's really. Um, but I'm just curious. I know I'm not supposed to be interviewing you, but if let's say if you ended up with a wrong person what do you do? do you how do you handle i mean what's your uh you you well you you can fire people but that's 
that's a real that's 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 the last resort because there's for, for so many reasons you know in addition to the fact that it's a personal hurt you know when, when you when actors come into auditions uh I, I have been in auditions with other filmmakers and seen them treat people just terribly you know as soon as it comes in and it's obvious that this person is too old or too fat or too wrong or whatever they just are very dismissive and and kind of kick them out and i some casting directors fine good just keep it going let's bring more people in i think even if the person even if you know the person is wrong for the part you owe them a reading and you owe them your attention and you and you and if they're not right for this part they might be right for something else exactly. i mean you, you always come out of a casting yeah. session with yeah. a list of people well he's not right for the red reverend but he might be good for the major in my next picture yeah. you know i it's it's a it's it's a learning curve and sometimes it's the wrong day too because I, I remember reading for something and um i had no air conditioning in my car and it was you know one of the heat wave days and i remember driving to the audition then i had to wait for you know, like an hour and a half to go in, and I read for this director, and it was, you know, going to be a good movie, and um, I was dismissed very much, like you explained. And then maybe six months later, maybe less, um, they had fired casting, I guess, and redid casting, and uh, with the casting director that used, you know, brought me in a lot, and. Um, same director. He didn't remember he had met me before. <laughs> he didn't me. I mean, he has me the whole thing. So I was exactly the same person. Hey, to wait six months for this to come in? <laughs> That's a very encouraging story for. That's a great story. Anybody yeah. out there who's an actor? Yeah, yeah. It's. It, uh, it depends on the. the it's weather. very often not you. No, it isn't. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, cool. Well, what? Uh, um, okay, so what else was on my list? Yeah, what's next? Uh, well, along with um, uh, that indie film vibe, um, Mate One. Yes. Oh, yeah. It were 19 and 20 in the southwest field and things is tough. The miners is trying to bring the union to West Virginia, and the coal operators and their gun thugs are set on keeping them out. Them was hard people, the coal miners then, they wasn't nobody who wanted to cross. So push come to shove, and pretty soon we had us a war down there in Mingo County, which in them days was known as Bloody Mingo. And that's where it all come to a head, there on Tug Fork, in the town of Matewan. You know, uh, any John Sales movie, yeah. I love. And... <clears throat> Where did you see yourself in Mate One? Where were you? Um, I actually didn't. You know how I ended up seeing Mate One? And this is because, you know, I started as a kid in acting and all that. So Mate One was not on my radar until um, uh, I ended up, I did this, my first movie was called Thousand Pieces of Gold, and it had the entire Mate One crew. And oh, nice. I think um somebody and chris it starred chris cooper okay. and at the time i and he he and i were going to be love interests and i've told him this so it's fine that but um when he got out of the van and i was already there i thought 
love interest. You know, I mean, he's <laughs> older. He had his, his hair was shaved for a play. So I think he shaved a, um, like a receding hairline. Mm. Um, and, you know, when we did our first scene together, I remember thinking, oh gosh, he's, he's so, you know, like, I, am I, yeah, I, I was nervous that we weren't connecting, we weren't getting anything. And then um, I saw Dailies that night and it was phenomenal. And then he actually said, I want you to see this movie. Uh, that, that was a hint. <laughs> you'll like me after that. Sorry? You'll like me after you yeah. see this. But also, yes. you know, I think, you know, not that he was teaching me something, but yeah, maybe, maybe just, you know, like this is, you know, we don't have to race this thing along, you know, right. this is, um, you know, John Sayles movies just have uh, a tone and they, they go with it without any unapolog unapologetically, you know, which is lovely for the actors as well. Um, which goes back to why all your friends are actors. All your friends are writers, writers. because yes. because he's a great um, writer. writer. He started as a great writer, and then he became a director because he wanted. He saw what people like me did to his script. He said, "Okay, well, I'm going to do this myself." <laughs> so there are quite a few good like director writer combos, aren't there? I mean, people who are writers and directors. Yeah, like oh, yeah. teams yeah. of like somebody who. Only oh. with one writer. Do you have a particular writer that you like working with? Uh, I've, I've, I've worked with a couple of writers over numerous occasions because I, I like them and because also they, they've often come up with their own ideas of something that I wanted to do. Right. It's yeah. friends. I mean, look, the more friends you can have on the set, yeah. the better the movie's going to be. And the better That's, your experience and Joe's, is Joe's that be. guy, Joe's that director who actually has the writer on the set, which is oh, honestly great. why I can happily do this show with him he's one of the good ones <laughs> so you guys have worked together for quite whose idea was we, it we haven't i mean well, no, we, we haven't yeah, we actually do this. we do this we do, we do this but no we we he he's one of my commentators on throws from hell and uh and that's how i and i met him through scott i think uh no or did scott, I, no 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 i you met larry through me um <laughs> howard rodman brought me in oh howard okay yes another writer another but writer i wouldn't be surprised because scott seems to be the the through line with so all many, roads lead to scott it's, <laughs> it's so true he would get so annoyed if he knew this that i was saying this um but yeah I, everybody i know kind of i met scott through his sister actually his sister and i became friends when we first had our babies and um scott's parents were he comes from a wonderful family um and his parents were, um, gosh, I felt like his mom gave me some of the best parenting advice. Um, I don't know how he turned out so well. <laughs> oh, this is the, the Scott Alexander Appreciation Society today. Know, was, it the, was it the don't let your kid wear shorts everywhere? Was that the... I know. <laughs> don't forget about the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm torn between wanting to tell him to listen to this episode or hoping he never hears it. But um, uh, give us another one, Ross. One more. One, one more? One, one more. more. Oh, oh, give us one more. 
One more. Oh my goodness. Make it count. Make it count. Should I let you? Uh, no, we can't I, pick it. You have to pick we can't, yeah. it. <laughs> it's between lost in translation and mean streets. I'll just divide them up. Very sure. Quick. You can have both of them. Okay. Well, lost in translation so evocative. I mean, there's, yeah. and it's exciting that there was a new film. Well, you know, a filmmaker who with such um, a unique eye, which, uh, you know, and that last moment, I know everybody, it's a cliche, everybody talks about it, but that last moment is whispering in um, the ear that is, you know, it's, I, I thought it was wonderful. I know some people don't agree, but anyway. What do you think, what do you think they said? I, I'm, well, I had an idea before, but now I don't know. I've forgotten it. Why would you <laughs> I have no idea. But I, I, I like her. I, I have um, she, she, nobody else makes movies about boredom. Yeah. Well, I can't and, wait to see your next one, though, because the next what, one. What is it? Is um, with Bill Murray as oh, well. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, they've got yeah. Yes. But I, weird, am I the only person? I, I remember somehow stumbling across somewhere. Which is just Stephen Dorff wandering around the um, Chateau Marmont, oh. bored out of his mind. And you know, if you pitched me that, <laughs> that would not be my first choice. I just I found it mesmerizing. She's she's really interesting. So often these films on paper, yeah, you can't tell. Wait, can I just tell one quick thing? Yes. Uh, years ago, somebody sent me. I for some reason I had a Charlie Kaufman script. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh, this is either, I can't decide, it's either the worst thing I've ever read or the greatest thing I've ever read. You gotta and do that I one. It. Um, I, because, I, I mean, it, it was just, you know, yeah, so sometimes you just can't, it's it, all in the filmmaking. It's, yeah. you know, Did it get made? Um, yeah, it's um, the, uh, the movie that um, Chris won an Oscar for, um, Meryl Streep, Chris. Oh, Adaptation. Yes. Yeah, yes. Well, we all, in, in, in my trade, we all resent him immensely for that one because it's, it's a thing you go through on every adaptation where there's just a moment where you're like, this is terrible. I can write a script about myself and what I'm doing while I'm trying to adapt it. Oh, no, I can't do that. That's cheating. And then this guy goes off and does it, and he did it. He did it the way you should. He didn't tell them he was going to do it. <laughs> they thought they were getting an adaptation of that book, and they got this insane script about these twin brothers. And <laughs> well, that's the they always say with actors, if you think, don't worry about if you think it's going to be a bad idea. You just have to go for it. Yeah. You know, yep. and I think he's an example of somebody who just doesn't worry about it. He just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't because yeah. Wait, what was uh, and Mean Street? Mean Streets. Yes. These are honorable men. You know, Tony, you got to worry about talking about one thing and it's that. Charlie. You got to be like me. Tony. I just be sure and tell him to be here tonight, all right? Michael. Giovanni. You're still around that kid, Johnny Boy. This Johnny Boy is named after me. Nice, huh? For sure. But this Johnny Boy is a little bit like your friend Groppy, half crazy. I understand you try to help him out because of our family and his family. But that's nice, I understand. But watch yourself. Don't spoil anything. Honorable men go with honorable men. 
four honorable men and Johnny Boy. Why don't you make your payment last Tuesday? What do you mean? I made my payment last Tuesday. What are you talking about? Charlie, you don't know what He's we're... here. Where? Out front. He's here? Yeah, so what do I care? All right, let me go get him. We'll straighten this thing out, all right? Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, Charlie. What? Well, you're right. I'm right. Yeah, was it last Tuesday? Yeah, that's the Tuesday. That was last week. That's before the one that's about to come up. My mistake. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was last week, the week before that I was thinking of. Four honorable men and Johnny. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with me, my friend. I'm feeling fine. Keep your mouth shut. We're not going to pay. We're not paying. No, we... But why? We just said we were going to have a drink. That and thing. we don't pay mooks. What's a mook? A mook? What's a mook? I don't know. What's a mook? You can't call me a mook. I can't? No. Which I just, I revisited uh, once again just before the pandemic. And the acting, you know, De Niro was, I mean, just so free. You know what I mean? Just no fear. No, you don't sense any, um, uh, any hesitation any um self-consciousness i don't anyway no. do you i i say you look away joe no no i was thinking i was thinking of the word hesitation but i i you said it before i could yeah he's just so <laughs> yeah. brave right i'm just uh so that was on my mind but there's so many other movies i mean i love that's the- why we do the show there's so many movies they actually publish a list of all the movies that get mentioned on every episode and to go through it's on it's on what's it on letterbox or uh oh no that's right there's one on letterbox on the site too that's on the traditional site but uh it it, and it's astonishing how many uh we and 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 we haven't even mentioned mandy (laughs) this episode (laughs) we haven't mentioned mandy which is Joe gets very annoyed that I always mention the film Mandy, and I didn't mention. No, it. no, I come to <laughs> I, I come to expect what it. That is. You what? What film is that? It's a movie with uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Andrea Riceboro and Nicolas Cage from last year. It's a uh, it's an a amazing. It's sort of a horror film. It's a beautiful love story. It's a revenge thing. It's like very nothing, nothing you've ever seen. Um, there, there are a lot of. Um, what's the most recent one with um, Florence Pugh? The Horror film, um, Midsummer. Possessor. Oh no, Midsummer. Sorry, yeah. I'm dying to know what you guys think about that. Have you seen it? Yes. I kind of loved it. I loved. I kind of didn't. Um, I thought it was. First of all, it's a ripoff of The Wicker Man, which is a better movie. Oh. oh. Second of all, it is. It's endlessly long, and then he put on on a director's cut that made it even longer. And virtually nothing happens in it. Well, can I, I, honestly, somebody texted me while, you know, just as the movie, just as I came out of the movie, I think, and um, I said, oh, I just saw this movie, and um, it was, he's a director, the, a director of the last movie I did, and I said, I, it was the worst, and he said, I'm dying to see it, I said, the worst movie, let me save you the money, I hated it, it was awful. And then I woke up the next morning and I could not stop thinking about it. And I texted him back saying, changed my mind. Got to go see it. It was brilliant. I, I, I loved it. Um, I did too. I, I had seen, 
I remember oh, seeing, boy. I saw Hereditary at an Academy screening and I was kind of nonplussed. I know there are aspects of it that I really was disturbed by in not the best of ways. And I remember running into our friend, John Landis was there and holding forth a great length about his problems with the film. I remember it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But Midsummer, just, I loved it. I loved it. And I loved the fact, it's hard to describe. I don't like a movie necessarily because I know where it's going to end. In fact, that kind of ruins it for me. But I could feel that there was this path it was making towards this one ending. And the whole, like the second half of the movie, I'm just going, please go there, please go there. And it did. And it's such a... Beyond. It probably yeah. went beyond where you thought it was going to go. It's, it's just, it's such a great place that she ends up. And it's such a lovely... Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of necessarily a female empowerment movie just for the sake of that. But right. my God, it's like that one is such a rich and tasty ending. And, and what it had to say about aging, too. I feel uh, yeah. Like yes. That's aging. kind of what we're going through now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And I've heard, what is I've now heard midsummering used a couple times as a verb. So. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, My husband feels the same as you, Joe. He did not. He didn't. Like I said sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. His it's still the same movie. Here was Lighthouse. He loved Lighthouse. I, oh. I, I love the photography of Lighthouse, which I voted for, for best photography. Which yeah. One of the best photograph movies I've, I've seen in years and years and years. And I love black and white anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the movie itself. Mm, I don't know. Really? William Defoe. I mean, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with the movie. It's just, and <laughs> I'm now convinced that that's at least the it only has an movie. octopus in it. <laughs> <laughs> at least it has an octopus. I, I'm convinced that it's the only movie you've ever seen William Defoe in where he's just being himself. No, I think that's who he is. I no, think he's, he's like not. the old salt fisherman no. that he comes to sandy shades no. and he dresses. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. He's, he's quite nice. He's not. Like I, you're I ruining my own. Spoke after I love him. And he talked about how his first uh, day on the set was um, when I, not to ruin it for anybody who's going to see it, but the sand going on him. You know mm. what I'm talking yes. about. Um, and he talked about it with such humor that I'm convinced. I I, I think he just sounds like a wonderful person. I mean, he's he sounds dreamy to work with. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never heard anything but good stuff. I just like the idea of him walking around the world like argy argy me hearties. <laughs> I got a I got a part in the new Soderbergh film. I'm playing a stockbroker argy. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just making oh, that up. <laughs> Uh, well, Rosalind, thank you so very much for coming along with us and taking us on this uh, this great journey. Thanks um, for having me. Into, into your mind. Into your mind, yes. <laughs> well, no, you took me into a journey into my mind because I never thought about I, that was like a therapy session. It started out <laughs> we charge we charge by the hour, so we'll be getting your bill a little later. Uh, I'll then know you. Cut to like a week from now. I, I, that's also, you know, one of our guests will announce that they're, they're giving up acting or something because <laughs> of something they show. realized on this. <laughs> oh, I show. do that every week. I give up acting every week. Do you? Oh, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. I'm like a um, drug addict, I guess. I'm, you know, I keep thinking, I, I can do this. I can do this. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, well, thank you so much. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Great to meet you. It's wonderful to meet you. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.